Welcome to the Criswell College Chapel Podcast. Through each semester, the entire campus gathers for worship through song and a biblical, challenging, and encouraging message. Speakers include pastors, professors, and local business and nonprofit leaders. At Criswell, we believe spiritual life is vital for everyone. And that is why Criswell's goal in chapel services is to emphasize loving the Lord with all our heart, all our mind, and all our strength. We make leaders who are ambassadors, cultivators, peacemakers, problem solvers, and professionals. While chapel services are tailored to students, we are encouraged by all our guest speakers by knowing that the practicality of what is being spoken is for everyone. To learn more about Criswell College, visit criswell.edu. Thank you for joining us. Today we will be hearing from Dr. Kirk Spencer. Dr. Spencer currently serves as the Senior Associate Professor of Science and History at Criswell College. He holds two degrees in the geological sciences as well as postgraduate work in science, history, humanities, and theology. He has taught in various disciplines at Criswell College for over 36 years and at many other educational institutions, including Dallas Christian College, Arlington Baptist University, and SMU. Dr. Spencer has presented seminars in the areas of science and theology, biblical archaeology, and modern culture. Without further ado, Dr. Kirk Spencer. Thank you, Will. I, uh, I always have a thought whenever I hear my credentials being read before I'm going to give a, a Bible lesson. I always think, man, I'm not very qualified to be here. And so uh, I just want you to know that I'm not a professional theologian. I'm just an amateur. Or maybe I should say amateur, because I do love it. I love studying Scripture. And I just pray that my love for God can uh, outpace my love for His Word. So anyway, um, I want to talk to you today about uh, the I Am statements. Actually, this is part of a series that the faculty have been doing throughout the semester. I'm the last. I'm the last I am statement from the Gospel of John. And I'll be speaking today in uh, John chapter 14, verse 6, if you want to turn there, on uh, where Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. As best I understand it, theologians believe that there are signs, actually seven signs, miracles, wonders that Jesus performs in the Gospel of John, and there are also seven I am statements. And so when you have seven signs and seven I am statements, there's the, we want to match them up to see how they fit together. And uh, that's what we've been doing in this series, is talking about the signs and also the I am statements. And it makes sense, if you think about it. When you read the other Gospels, it's very clear that uh, Jesus uh, works, that he does, uh, his life works, um, would actually present the truthfulness of his words of life. In other words, um, the way that Jesus works would demonstrate the truth of his words of life. You guys see what I'm doing there? The way that he works would present the truth, the way, the truth, and the life. It's embedded all through Jesus' life. We're going to be looking at, at one particular instance today. All right, so in the series, Bill Watson spoke first, and he spoke to us on the bread of life, which related to the feeding of the 5,000, and then Dr. Barry spoke on the, Jesus is the light of the world, 
and the relationship to the healing of the man born blind, so he's giving light to his eyes. And then Winston Hodman was scheduled a speech on I am the door to the sheepfold, but he was iced out. So we're not really sure which uh, sign that connects to. If I had to guess, I would say the uh, paralytic at the Pool of Bethesda because it was near the sheep gate. And I don't <laughs> I'm just guessing there. I'm not sure what Winston would say. And then uh, Dr. Moore spoke to us on I am the Good Shepherd. And she related uh, to how the healing of the man born blind caused a, a, a ruckus among the religious leaders, if you remember, and they interrogated him. And in their interrogation, they were acting like hirelings. They weren't acting like the Good Shepherd. And he, they were out for their wages, for their power, whereas Jesus was the good shepherd, and he would even lay down his life for the sheep. And then Jared Wellman came, and he spoke to us on the resurrection. I am the resurrection and the life, and how it relates to the raising of Lazarus. And here I am, number, number six, talking about Jesus' statement, I am the way, the truth, and the life. But that's just six. What about seven? The seventh uh, I am is actually in John 15, I think, the beginning, where Jesus says, I am the true vine. It's the last of the I am statements. And I would relate it to the first of the signs, which is turning water into wine. So anyway, as uh, we begin today, I'll, I'll go ahead and turn to John chapter 14. We're going to be looking at, uh, at what's happening. In chapter 13, we see that Jesus is uh, celebrating the Passover meal, what we call the Lord's Supper, with his, uh, with his disciples. And after the meal, when their bellies are full, um, Jesus um, washes their feet. And he demonstrates to them what it means to be a leader in Christianity, and that's to be a servant, to follow him in servant leadership. And so they have full bellies, and they have cool, clean feet, and they're probably reclining. So I'm feeling a nap coming on, <laughs> relaxing. Everything's going fine, surrounded by friends. And then Jesus shocks them with a statement. He says, one of you is going to betray me. And I'm sure they're all looking around, and, and they say, is it I? They're searching their own hearts. Would, would I be the one that betray him? It's like a punch in the gut. And then uh, there's another punch in the gut. Jesus says, and I'm going to be going away, and you can't follow me. And he begins talking about a new commandment that he's going to give, that they should love one another as he has loved them. You know, Jesus didn't spend a whole lot of time saying, I love you. He did spend a lot of time showing his love to them. And so it's an act of love. It's love as a verb. He's establishing a new co uh, commandment. But as he's talking about the new commandment, you can tell P Peter is saying, wait, wait, wait a minute. You're going away and we can't follow you. And so being Peter, he had to, uh, he had to make his statement. He had to drive his stake into the ground. And so Peter says, I will follow you to death. And Jesus pulls that stake out of the ground and he drives it into Peter's heart when he says, will you die for me? Before this night is over, you're going to deny me three times. So at a side of denial along with betrayal and abandonment, 
In other words, this was very difficult. You'd gone from a very comfortable environment to an environment where they are, their hearts are troubled. They, are, they need some comfort. And that's where we come to chapter 14. Very familiar verses to us. Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And that's generally where we stop. However, Jesus has one more statement. He says, and where I go, you know, and the way you know. So there's two you knows. Um, many times when they translate, they want to smooth it out and just put one you know. I think it's important to have the two you knows because one refers to where and the other refers to the way. And they know both of them. And uh, you ask the question, where is the where? Jesus actually told them in verse 2. You see it, I go in my father's house. He's going to his father's house. He's going into his father's presence. And so it could be that they know where he's going because he just told them. However, if you look uh, further down when Jesus begins talking about his father and how they've seen the father in him and they've heard the father, it's possible that they know the father because they've been with Jesus. Whichever they know where he's going, they know the where, and he says, in the way you know also. And so he's establishing their knowledge of the way. Uh, they're thinking in terms of something you would find on Google Maps that you're going to a particular place. And uh, it's setting up this sort of abstract concept. And Thomas takes the bait. You can see that in verse 5. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going, and how can we know the way? And so Thomas is saying, you need to give us an address so we can, uh, we can look it up. We want to know where we're going through space to this particular place. And that's where we see the I am statement. Jesus says to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. What Jesus is doing there is he's pulling them out of this, this haze that they've been in. It's sort of an, an abstract haze of ideas. And he pulls them into the concrete world. And in the concrete world, the way is not some concept. It's not some abstraction. It's actually a person. It's him. It's not a way through space. It's a person. And he adds to that the truth and the life. In other words, the truth is not some philosophical concept. It's also a person. And the life, the life is not a definition that we're going to find in our biology textbook. It's not the metabolic processes inside of our bodies. It's not the cascade of chemicals but life itself is a person. It's a powerful thought. It's, uh, it's difficult for us because we want to stay in the conceptual world. We want to stay in the world of thoughts and ideas. But he's saying, okay, we're not talking about the, what's in your mind right now. We're talking about what's happening in the present. I am those things. 
Another way that you can visualize it is if he is the life, if he is the truth, if he is the way, then that means he, in a sense, is the source of those things. And if Jesus really is the source of those things, then he also is the supply of those things. So what that means is that Jesus is saying, I'm not only the way, but I'm the way maker. I'm not only the truth, but I'm the truth bringer. I'm not only the life, but I'm the life giver. It's not a passageway through space. It's a person. And this triad of way and truth and life is like a matrix that intermixes and blends. You see it in life, you even see it in scripture, the concept of Jesus being a way of life. the true and living way. The living way of truth, the true way to live. You see this all through Scripture, you see it in life, that there is a tendency of these words to begin blending together, and it actually forms a kind of a summary, a summa, of what we've been talking about in this series. As we look at all the different I am's, they seem to come together. For instance, when Jesus says, I am the way, that relates and recalls the statement that he made, I am the door to the sheepfold. And so it's reviewing what that means. It means the safety that we find in Christ. It means the salvation that we find in Christ. It even means the life. And uh, we didn't see this with, uh, with Winston, but there is a sense that this is the way out to pasture. So in the mind of a sheep, this is what we need. This is food. This is life. And we find it in the good shepherd who is the way. Not just life, but it says abundant life. And why? Because the shepherd is willing to lay down his life for his sheep, not like the hirelings. Uh, one of the things that Winston probably would have told us is that in the ancient world, whenever they had sheep out in the field, they would build a sheepfold, and there would be a gap where the sheep would go into the fold. There wasn't a door there, and so what the shepherd would do is he would lay his body down into the gap. And so if the wolves wanted to get to the sheep, they had to go through the shepherd. And so he was literally, he was literally the door. And so the good shepherd would lay down his life, but when Jesus says, I am the resurrection, that means he can also take up his life. The life, when Jesus said, I am the life, it also recalls what we talked about in terms of the bread of life, the manna from heaven, the living water, what provides life. The statement, I am the resurrection and the life in reference to the raising of Lazarus. I've often wondered, you know, when, when, they raised Lazar when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, the religious leaders wanted to find him and kill him. You see the futility in that? What would happen if they found Lazarus and they killed him? Jesus would just do it over again. And so the point seems to be, how do you conquer the source of life? 
which is Jesus Christ. It cannot be conquered because it is a person. The truth, when we see I am the truth, it recalls the statement, I am the light of the world. There is a, um, a metaphor, light is a metaphor for the truth that dispels darkness and provides the light of life. Christ is the light that brings truth into the darkness to show us the way out of the darkness. There are two places in John where it speaks directly to this idea of truth. The first is in chapter 8 where um, Jesus says, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. I remember um, when I was studying at UT in Austin, right in the middle of campus is a large white limestone tower. And at the bottom of that tower, carved in the stone, there are, there are words that say, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. And I always want to take a paintbrush and put three big dots right in front of that dot, 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 because that's actually not the whole statement. The, st the statement is, if you abide in my words, then you are truly my disciple, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. So the truth there is living what Jesus said. And second is where Jesus is before Pilate. This is in chapter 18, I think. And... Um, Jesus actually raises the question. Pilate said, what is truth? He's referring to a question that, or a statement that Jesus made when he said, everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. And so there's a sense in which we are trapped in darkness and the light of God's truth shines into that darkness. And it shows us the way out. I remember whenever I was um, in a cavern, Carlsbad Cavern, you get way down in the bottom, they turn out the, uh, they turn out the lights, you've ever experienced that? And you hold your hand right in front of your face and you can't even sense it. You try to move and you really have no sense of how to move. And so in that darkness, how would you get out of it? There are two ways. One, someone could shine a light and show you a way out. Um, number two, they could uh, speak to you and you would hear their voice and you would follow them. That voice calling in the darkness, it could uh, lead you out. The, um, this concept really resonates with the prologue to John's Gospel. Chapter 1, verse 4. In him was life, and the life was the light, the truth of men. And it shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not conquer it, did not master it. This particular I am statement is exclusive. It begins, I am the way, and it ends, but by me. There's only one way to God. And that is tied up in the mystery of the be verb. Be, was, been, am, are, is, were have, has, had. 
That's a real mystery, believe it or not. This whole branch of philosophy, ontology, that deals with the be verb. And be verbs, along with sense verbs, actually set up something called a linking verb, which will link the subject to its subject complement. And so, I am the way. I is the subject, that would be Jesus. Am is the linking verb. And the way would be the subject complement. Um, the, there's a real dilemma in doing that because oftentimes we become so enamored with the subject complement, this or that, that's being described that we forget the subject. And so there are passages in John to where you have an, a linking verb without a subject complement. And so instead of being I am the way, it is simply I am. And there's one in particular I see it as like a sonic boom that occurs. And all of these other I am statements are sort of like echoes of this one sonic boom. It's in chapter 8. It's when Jesus says, Before Abraham was, I am. Boom. Because when he said, I am, they knew very clearly what he's saying. A linking verb without a subject complement, nothing to distract us. The kind of God that would, the slaves in Egypt would be looking for, the name that God gave to himself at the burning bush. I am that I am. Not a God that is, I am this or that, but a God that is, I am that I am. The present God, the ever-present God. Not that... He is a being that exists, sure. Not that he is the source of existence, sure, we accept that. But someone could be in existence and they could be the source of existence, but not with you. But he is with you and will be with you. The Shekinah, the dwelling God, the Emmanuel, the God with us. He is the I am that I am, the God that is ever present. And that's really what we need to focus on. Not necessarily the subject compliments, even though those are important. But never forget the subject. Make sure that we understand that God is with us. We pull ourselves out of the abstractions, out of the conceptual world, and recognize that God is present, even now, even in this room. He's a part of our world. If Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, he is the source of these and thus the supply, making Jesus the way and the way maker, the truth and the truth bringer, the life and the life giver. He's not just a concept or an idea, but a living, true, and ever-present friend. And in our way, if our way is a person, a person of Christ, then we cannot be lost if we know the person. In fact, in many ways, if we know the way as a person, Jesus Christ, we're already there. I found a Bible. I found it in Dr. Street's office after he left. He left a lot of books there on the shelves. He said, you can go in and take whatever you want. And so I went in and on the very top shelf, I found this Bible and it was... It was wrapped in cellophane. No one had ever opened it. So I decided I would keep it. So I took the cellophane off 
And I opened it, and on the very first page, it's very rare to find scripture verses in a Bible, because what scripture verse do you put there at the very beginning? But this one has one. And guess what verse it is? Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, John 14, 6. I found it the week that I was assigned this address. Coincidence? No. God is with us. He's with us all the time. And the skeptics say, well, then why doesn't he show himself? Because I'm not sure if we could take it. But he is there. And he is available to you. And that's my message to you today. And I am, without a subject compliment, representing his presence, ever ever presence with us all the time. The God that is with us. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for your great grace, for your word and how it speaks to our heart. I pray that these students would never forget that you're with them and all the difficulties they face. You're just a prayer away, Father, and that they would learn how to live in their faith, recognizing you as the way and the truth and the life and everything they do. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you once again for listening to the Criswell Chapel podcast. Please make sure to visit criswell.edu to learn more about Criswell College. We hope that you will join us again soon. God bless you.